Have you ever eaten haggis? I'm on a mission to put haggis on the menu all year round, not just for Burns Night. Join me as I chat with Managing Director of McSween's Haggis, James McSween, as we explore Scotland's national dish. Let's do this. Hello, welcome to the Countryside Kitchen Meats, a food and farming podcast. I'm Millie Fife, your host. Today we'll be chatting to James McSween, Managing Director of McSween's Haggis, a producer of Scotland's National Dish. Then I've got a few time-saving hacks when it comes to mealtime preparation and some recipes to share, meaning you can juggle family life with the children and cook a tasty, nutritious meal too. Okay, let's introduce you to my guest. McSween's of Edinburgh have been at the forefront of Scotland's national dish haggis for well over 60 years. James McSween was born and educated in Scotland and after training as a physical education instructor, he decided to join the family butchery business. Founded in 1953, McSween's worked in a variety of different sales channels from supermarkets, independent retail, food service, wholesale, own label and exports now has a turnover of six million, employing 60 members of staff. James started work in the business as a butcher in 1992 and after joining the business quickly facilitated the move out of high street butchery retailing in 1996 when they built the world's first haggis facility. I first came across James just over a year ago. I was taking part in a cookery competition to make the perfect burger Giving a nod to my family's Scottish roots, I wanted to make a burger containing haggis. And when I put in my request to McSween's, I got a direct line to James, who duly sent me a catering box of haggis. I'm pretty mad about haggis, to be honest. And as well as having three farm cats named Haggis, Neeps and Tatties, my husband and I also had haggis as a canapé starter at our wedding breakfast. You'll find the burger recipe and many more in my e-cookery book, which I launched recently, and I'll put the link in the show notes. So I'm delighted to welcome James onto the show, and we can both spend the next 20 minutes or so chatting about our joint love of haggis. Hello, James. How are you? Hello, I'm very well. And I'm, I was chuckling. Uh, you've got cats called haggis, leaves and tatties. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard I've heard of lots of dogs called Haggis, but Haggis sleeps in tatties and three cats. That I think that takes the biscuit. That really <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, um, as my 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 husband's family are from Aberdeenshire originally, and actually our sons are called Angus and Dougie as well. So we've sort of tried to keep the Scottish theme going in the family, yeah. even though that we're south of the border now. So um, yeah. But thank you ever so much for coming on today, um, and. For giving me all that support with with some haggis, I am a huge fan, and I want more people to share that love and appreciation. So I'm thrilled that you're on the on the show today. Do you ever get fed up with eating haggis? No, not at all. Uh, I've I've loved haggis probably from the first day I've I ever ate it. Um, I I still remember fondly my childhood of um, finishing school and walking up to the shop and sitting in the shop until my mum finished work and doing my homework and then being asked if I wanted to to try the haggis. Uh, you know, it, it was just something you did when you were back in the butcher shop. Um, haggis manufacturing has always been a big big part of, of the business before it became 
a purely a haggis manufacturer. But no, I love it. I never get sick of it. We've had a, a taste panel today. I had um, my chairman was down on Friday with haggis deeps and tatties for lunch. Um, no, I can't get enough of it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things. I was actually sat in the hairdressers the other day and I said, oh, I was into, going to interview you. And they were like, haggis, ugh. And I was like, oh, no, no. It, you know, and I, I suppose there's a bit of a kind of PR exercise that you're probably constantly trying to kind of battle because people are kind of wondering well, what is actually in haggis but I mean it, it's so delicious and it's so versatile isn't it it's such a quick easy dish and anyone can enjoy it yeah what you just explained is, is very a common theme that I get a lot or this aversion to haggis it's probably either because they don't know what haggis is or they've had a bad haggis which we refer to as a bad haggis eating experience haggis is like spicy mince it's it's fully cooked it's already flavored and you just need to, you know, turn it into something like haggis nachos or put it in a toasty or put it in a baked potato or slice it like salami and put it on a regular cheese and tomato pizza. Um, it, it can just spice up and meet up so many, so many other dishes uh, and turn something that's relatively plain into something quite, oh, never thought about putting haggis in a pizza or uh, watching the Six Nations. I'd, we, I piled around to a friend's house for Super Saturday. Um, and he went, what's with all the food? He says, oh, we're going to have haggis nachos for lunch. So, you know, a big plate of haggis nachos. And uh, it, it's fantastic. It's so quick, versatile. Cook it in minutes in the microwave. Um, I think it's people's imagination that stops them using haggis in more dishes. Mm. And I know just 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 what you're explaining like I'd never think to put haggis on a pizza but you've inspired me now that's going to be one of my next things I do with the children it's going yeah. to be yeah the most boring tomato pizza just buy a one of our haggis slice it five eight millimeter ten ten millimeter thick slices make a pretty pattern bake it in the oven you know at the same time you don't need to put it on hot you just slice it cold cook it in the oven by the time the oven has cooked the pizza as it would normally the haggis is at a perfect temperature amazing uh, yeah it's awesome yeah i'm gonna try that absolutely i've sort of in my introduction sort of given a little bit of your backstory but can you just sort of add a little bit of meat to the bone really you know how long has mcsween's family been making haggis for and how did you get involved we've we've always made haggis so any butcher worth his salt has always in Scotland, certainly, has always made haggis, black pudding, white pudding, um, you know, a dish from Aberdeen in the northeast, because it 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 has always been a part of the the Scottish cuisine. Um, I joined the business in '92, having qualified um, from college, was in a kind of a, a bit of a gap between finishing college and and finding a job, um, and I has as any kid in a family business always kind of worked their holidays in in the shop um, and I just stayed a wee bit longer than I anticipated dad was wanting to either make the next step to become a bigger business or he was just going to you know slowly wind down as he as he got closer to retiral I quite like the idea of moving out of retail and, and really focusing on manufacturing because that's that was the most profitable part of the business at that point because running a butcher shop in the city of Edinburgh where there were supermarkets on your doorstep was becoming harder and harder to make make that more to make it profitable. I stayed 1996. We had done all the feasibility work for building a haggis factory. We moved into the haggis factory in the, the autumn of 1996. And 
you were now a, a household name for haggis vegetarian haggis and black pudding across the country um, I supply all the major supermarkets my biggest branded customers M&S and my um, sorry my biggest own label customers M&S and my biggest branded customers Waitrose as well as most of the other supermarkets um, food service operators like Bidfood and Breaks and big wholesalers like um, uh, Costco and Booker um, to name a few and that's and that's what we do we get we're fanatical about haggis like you and and we we pride ourselves on on making Scotland's most loved haggis because we've we've got accolades coming out our ears as to how good our product is mm -hmm. and you and in terms of like the actual haggis there's is now lots of different product ranges isn't there because I mean you know over the last year I've understood that I'm now gluten intolerant and then I reached out to you again and you were able to supply me with some gluten-free haggis and you also do a vegetarian haggis as well and yep. you know it, it's just constantly evolving isn't it yeah we were we were the first to launch uh gluten-free haggis into into the supermarkets I think that was um 2016 or 2017 we brought the the gluten-free to market the, the thing with our haggis is we were we only the only cereal that was in it is oatmeal and there's no naturally occurring gluten in in oats and um, so it was just about buying the right oats and um, other some other manufacturers who other products that already have gluten like um rusk or barley which has naturally occurring gluten which makes it harder for them to to make a gluten-free variety we just swapped our oats for um, gluten-free certified oats so it was, it was really quite simple the vegetarian came about back in 1984 before um, plant-based was ever a thing or mm. really when um, people that were following a vegan or vegetarian diet were certainly in the minority our customer a, a lady called tessa ransford who who had vegetarian friends was the creator of the scottish poets library she was opening a new library in in edinburgh and she wanted, and this was in January of 1984, and she wanted some haggis and some vegetarian haggis. So she asked my dad to kind of cobble something together, which he, he duly did. Um, and then people started writing in because they'd heard about the vegetarian haggis at the launch of the library. The haggis got as much press as the, the library as it happened. <laughs> and um, he started answering these letters and, and then he thought, my goodness, there might be a product here. And then he spent the rest of that year until the autumn developing the vegetarian recipe and commercially um, making it more viable. And the vegetarian haggis is now about between 18 and 20 percent of our haggis sales. So it's 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 a very popular product. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. And to have that foresight as well to then, you know, uh, develop the, the gluten free version as well. Um, I mean, gluten, having a gluten tolerance, let alone being celiac, I mean, you know, and all of these sort of things that are, that are becoming more prevalent as well. It, it, it's 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 fantastic because there are so many different dietary requirements and, and being able to tailor that. But I mean, I, I haven't really explored too much with other manufacturers and things, but from what I gather, it's obviously a very small percentage of what of, of the overall product line, which is why it can be a lot more expensive. But like having the accessibility to gluten-free products that actually taste good um yeah. and gluten-free haggis it's it's amazing you know it, it's just like the normal you know it's just like normal haggis and um it's just a delight so i'm 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 pretty pleased <laughs> i'm sure everyone listening it, is too it, it is more expensive because the the fundamental problem is that the oats cost more money um the, the, the what the farmer has to do to produce gluten-free oats is far more complicated um, and there's there's obviously a lot of cost tied up into making sure that the, the 
the field is as clean as possible. Um, our miller will buy oats from farmers that have had grass for four years in a row prior to um, planting the oats to try and make sure there's no rogue wheat or barley in that crop. And then there's cost in, involved in the in the milling process. And, mm. and that's unfortunately how the oats become more expensive. So it's not just about, well, it's gluten-free, we'll make it more expensive. It's unfortunately the oats are more expensive, which is it's a real challenge for people that are having to follow a, a gluten-free diet. Yeah, then that makes total sense as well, you know, um, because you don't want that cross contamination. Um, I hadn't mm. sort of really taken that into consideration, but that yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so James, what motivates you? You're obviously like you know, you cut you in half, and you're McSween's Haggis, uh, director. You're the managing director. You know, what motivates you in, within your business? Um, I, what motivates what motivates me is the the joy that I bring to people when they meet me for the first time and tell me how much they love my haggis and that they're like you fanatical about haggis. Um, I get tremendous pleasure from from making Scotland's national dish. I'm proud to, you know, be considered a guardian of Scotland's national dish and and, and looking after something that is is as old as the Romans and the Vikings. Mm. Um, because that's the 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 potentially the original origins of haggis that. Haggis isn't Scottish, um, shock horror. It came to Scotland either via the Romans or the Vikings, and we've just been looking after it. it it's famous because of Robert Burns, if I'm, if truth be told. Um, if he hadn't written the the, the address to the Haggis, um, to a Haggis when he was on the way to, to fame and fortune, um, certainly he got the fame, he didn't get the fortune. <laughs> um, I, I think I think Haggis wouldn't, wouldn't pay, play such a large part in... Scotland's um, culinary history, if truth be told, but you know that that certainly inspires me. Um, making great product, um, supplying my customers with fantastic product, getting letters of praise, and and seeing our very active community on social media um, constantly rave about how wonderful our products are um, and the lovely comments they make when when we put new recipes onto our social media platforms. It's that sort of thing that's, um, that inspires me, as well as running my own business. We're a third-generation family business, founded in 1953. I've got about 60 staff. We love making haggis, selling haggis, and, and bringing, bringing a great tasty haggis um, to most people's dinner plates, um, traditionally with eating with potatoes and turnip. But haggis isn't just for... For dinner, it's for for every meal of the day, as long as your imagination can can help you make a product with it. Yeah, no, that's one thing. Like, uh, whenever you come up to Scotland, you often, if you have a full full cooked breakfast, you have haggis for breakfast. Yeah. Um, looking at your website, there's so many different recipe suggestions, and on your social media, um, and some of the little the videos as well that are on there, they're quite entertaining as well. Um, and it just, you know, it just it just uh, spot, stops the scroll I guess as well and, and grabs people's attention and you know in a very sort of um, food is quite a crowded market isn't it when you come to um, promoting it um, or especially on social media and so for me it, it, it's brilliant. Um, talk to me about your supply chain then uh, where do you source all your ingredients from? We're predominantly on haggis we're predominantly locally sourced um, so what what when people say locally sourced, most people are thinking that it's from Scotland or the United Kingdom. So across the business, across all our products, we're about 70% locally sourced. Um, the vegetarian haggis is, is where we need to import 
um, not directly, but import ingredients from from further afield. You know, we're not we're not synonymous with growing red spit lentils and sunflower seeds in in the <laughs> UK, um, and we don't have an abundance of peppers and um, spices and and um, and herbs like that. So it's it's more of that stuff that's imported. But you know, our our oats are all from Scotland. Our meats um, all British and Irish, um, and that that makes up the, the the majority of 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 what we do. So we you know we we work hard to try and source as locally as possible all the time. Mm. And in terms of the meats, then you know what 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 species is it all lamb or is it a mixture? We're we're using we use a variety of species. So um, we use a lot of lamb for our our recipe haggis. So McSween recipe is a lamb and beef recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, the recipe we make for M and S is a pork and beef recipe. Mm-hmm. We use a lot of pork and and bacon in in our McSween black pudding, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's a combination of lamb depending on the recipe that's being manufactured whether it's lamb beef pork or um you know and different cuts from these animals uh, depending on the product that's being manufactured so we you know for example our our export haggis uses lamb hearts because we're not able to put um lamb lung meat into it because of the import regulations into mm-hmm. into canada so you just have to work with the um within the regulations and that's why we've got different recipes and different um, cuts of meat um, to enable us to make all our products. That's really interesting that, you, yeah, you have to sort of change things around depending on where you're shipping to because of that. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that brings, you know, a completely different element. Presumably you have someone that, but that's their job basically to look at the different recipes and the export licenses and that sort of thing. Yeah. That, that typically falls down to, to me, the technical team and, and um, the product developer. Uh, depending on on what we're doing but um you know we've, we've been support supplying canada since 2017 so that's quite an established market now um and the recipe hasn't changed it's just just a matter of making sure that we're always complying with the the regulations as these other countries regulations change yeah oh so i was on a podcast actually with an american and a canadian lady and we got talking about haggis actually and uh, the american was like oh, i don't know what haggis is and the canadian woman did so um yeah obviously where whereabouts in america um i mean sorry whereabouts in canada are you stocking uh we've got we've got an importer and wholesaler in toronto and they they basically cover the independent retail sector from coast to coast mm. we've, we've we've never managed to to get our supermarket listing just yet yeah um we'd, we'd speak to speak to them occasionally but um it's, it's more of a uh, independent and um, retail wholesale um solution for canada yeah yeah oh fascinating oh i'll have to let her know <laughs> um talk to me about inflation how has that affected your business <laughs> um it's it is affected my business like it's affected every business yeah. everything's costing more um and we've been absorbing a lot of price increases um which we then need to pass on to our mm. our customers unfortunately ultimately the, the consumer um will will end up um getting a, a price increase at the till um but that unfortunately is just the the world that we live in right now transport's costing more labor's costing more utilities are costing more um and if you think about the labor that I have in my factory, which is 50 people, mm. everybody that we buy from also have labor and transport costs. Um, so costs are are spiraling up the way, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's too early to call. There's some rumors that the interest will be 
coming back down by the, the end of this year, I'm I'm not quite so sure myself. But um, certainly, I I think I've got a, a wee bit more of this to to endure before we start to see things at least come back a bit. Mm. Uh, I'm doubtful whether prices will go back to where they were. Um, but it, it's it's a very tough time for anybody that's um, running, uh, being in business, and and it's tough for consumers too that um, they're they're at the, the very end of a, a very long supply chain, and mm. fortunately prices are costing more at the till. Mm. But it's actually it's quite a low cost, you know, it's not a particularly expensive product, is it? Um, you know, and it does feed a whole family. No, it's it, it's not it's not a, a hugely expensive food, um, you know, and it's very filling and very satisfying. Um, you know, a four hundred gram haggis will easily feed two um, hearty adults. Um, and when you can, if you are having in a more traditional sense with potatoes and turnip, you know, the very low cost accompaniments to go with it, which are potatoes and turnip or sweet. Um, which makes it makes it a very satisfying and cost-effective um, family meal. Mm. Um, so it, it is it is a kind of economy dinner, um, yeah. and and very filling, um, and keeps you full between meal times. And also with it being microwavable, you know it's co- it's cheap to actually prepare. Yeah, you can you can um, microwave it, so it doesn't mm. take a lot a lot of time to cook either. Um, mm. So you don't even need to use use an oven or um, steam it um, or boil it in a pan of water mm. um uh, so yeah it, certainly take it out the skin chop it up into chunks put it in a microwave dish with a with a lid on and um follow the instructions on the back of the pack and um give it a, a good fork um halfway through and then put it back in the microwave and as long as it's piping hot you've got a plate of hot haggis it's yeah nice. it's amazing and i mean i know we've spoken about this a little bit already but is haggis just for Burns Night? Because I know when I spoke to you last year, it was nearly Burns Night and you were absolutely manic. But, you know, throughout the year, can we celebrate haggis at other times of the year? We've, we've built a business that people now eat haggis 52 weeks of the year. Mm. Um, back in 92, when I first joined the business, yeah, there was consumers that would, would visit the shop and they would buy haggis week in, week out. But it is certainly a very seasonally focused product. Um, 50% of our turnover is done in November, December, and January. Um, January is phenomenally busy for us. Um, but we, we, you know, one of our social media hashtags is not just for burns because um, that's why we, if you look at, follow us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you can see all the wonderful dishes you can make, mm. which are very, very simple. Um, some more simple than others, like a haggis, haggis on a tomato and cheese pizza is probably yeah. one of the easiest. <laughs> Even haggis nachos is is not difficult. No. Uh, bag of nachos, break up your haggis over the nachos, fire it in the oven with some grated cheese on the top, and then buy a, a trio of sour cream, salsa, and guacamole. And then you've got you know a really big platter of um, haggis haggis nachos it, it, it couldn't be easier or warm up a bit of haggis and put it in a baked potato or or make a frittata with some leftover haggis or have it on toast with poached eggs or make a toasty with um grated cheese and and mango chutney um they don't they don't have to be complicated little mealtime solutions that get you eating haggis 52 weeks of the year yeah and so you must you must enjoy cooking then james you've given me some inspiration there already you you know is that would would haggis be one of your go-to meals 
Um, if yes, um, basically we have haggis in the fridge all the time. Um, my boys eat a lot of haggis for breakfast on toast, um, or with um baked beans or spaghetti hoops. That's a childhood favorite of both of them. Um, <laughs> poached eggs on toast with haggis for lunch, um, or we'll we'll make a lot of pasta dishes with haggis. Mm. So instead of using all ground pork or beef, we may do 50-50, or if or if we don't have any mince in the house, we'll just use 100% haggis. Um, or even, even when you're making a casserole and you've kind of thought, mm, this is a wee bit runny, um, and before you reach for the bag of flour, just chuck a bit of haggis in it, and the, mm. uh, the haggis will, um, will thicken it up a bit. Um, but yeah, we use we make uh, we we probably disproportionately a lot of pasta um, and ragu sauces, and, and we I put a lot of haggis um, into those. I I I enjoy cooking. I find it um, it's a great stress reliever for me mm. um, because when you're cooking, you're really focusing on what you're doing, and then you can forget mm. about forget about everything else that's going on. Um, but yeah, with, there's always haggis in the fridge and the freezer. Um, yeah it's just something it's, it's one of our store covers yeah 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 no absolutely yeah. and where can people buy mcsween's haggis from how can how can they purchase it pop into your nearest supermarket um waitrose we should be nationally with waitrose we are nationally with m&s um the m&s haggis is uh, fantastic it's a slightly different recipe to ours but um, I created it back in 2012 when we first started working with m&s and i love it mm. um Pop into your nearest big Sainsbury's um, nationally. Regionally, we're in all the big supermarkets in Scotland. And if you're not near a supermarket or you have an aversion to supermarkets, then you can go to our website and you can buy it through our dedicated mail order partner. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. And um, links wise, social media links, what are your handles or how can people find it's out just, more information? Um, Either go through the website, which is www.maxsween.co.uk or um, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Haggis. Sorry, at Maxween Haggis is our handle and you'll find us there. And and please follow us. Um, we're very active. We've got a tremendous community um, and we, we work really hard to to look after our, our Haggis um, followers. And we love user-generated content. So if you've got a Haggis meal or solution that you don't think the world has seen i'd like to know about it so, <laughs> um if and if you're and if it's really outstanding we'll send you some haggis as a thank you oh there we are fantastic thank you okay here are some time-saving hacks for you to try at home get yourself a slow cooker i may have said this before but i can't hammer home enough how good they are I'm fortunate to now have an ever-hot cooker, so have a slow oven on all the time. However, before I got married, I had a slow cooker, which was simply brilliant. You can pop in some meat, stock or sauce and some vegetables, leave it on low and it will slowly cook a meal all day. Then when you come home at night, you have a meal prepared for you. You can use cheaper cuts of meat and wonky veg. If you haven't already tried using a slow cooker, you've got to give it a go. In season right now, May time, spring onions, peas, rocket, spinach, and my favourite hedgerow bloom, elderflower, perfect for cordial making. The recipe for elderflower cordial is in my e-cookery book. All of this produce is packed full of goodness and grown here on the British Isles. 
And as we have the MD of the most successful haggis company in company here, I thought I'd share the recipe for the canapes when my husband and I, Andrew, got married. Haggis, mozzarella and cranberry sauce phyllo parcels. Basically, you get a small blob of haggis, a small blob of mozzarella cheese and a dollop of cranberry sauce wrapped in phyllo pastry, brush with egg and bake in the oven until brown. Now, you can probably deep fry them too, but I'm not very brave with a deep fryer. <laughs> How does that sound, James? I like the sound of that. Um, yeah. yeah, I think phyllo parcels uh, go really well with haggis. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes nice little bite-sized. Um, haggis works really well in canopies. Even even just get a, a, a small potato and uh, um, and a and if you have such a thing as a, a melon baller, cut out two holes, one at each end, put mashed turnip in one and a scoop of haggis in the other, and then you've got literally a small haggis neeps and tatties canopy <laughs> in the shape of a small baby potato. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to try that. That sounds brilliant. Excellent. Um, I think I think you're a great shout about the slow cooker. Um, I I use a slow cooker every week. Um, it's fantastic. We do a lot of batch cooking, so we'll put the slow cooker on, like you said, um, and we'll make a meal for that night, and then we'll we'll put the stuff into Tupperware, and then we'll we'll eat it throughout the rest of the week. So, um, and they use next to no electricity. So people, and you, like you said, you can use some really kind of cheaper, tougher cuts, mm. and it'll it'll just come, especially on beef, it'll be melt in the mouth. It's fantastic. Mm. Mm, yeah exactly that and that you know it's trying to make meals go further or you know just eat, eating in moderation but it, it I always find as well being on the farm as well that people come in at different times and yeah. so you might not all sit around the table at the same time but you can just take a scoop out and it's warm and then when somebody else comes in you can then prepare the meal or or similarly I eat earlier with the children and then my husband will come in later and then he'll clear up what what we haven't finished so uh, yeah it's um that's what it, happens in our house too yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay, that's all we've got time for today. Don't forget to tune into the next episode of the Countryside Kitchen Meets on the first of each month. You can subscribe on all major podcast streaming platforms and get in touch. Would you like to be on a future episode? How about sponsoring a future episode? Want to chat to me about what you do and share some recipes too? Drop me a line at hello at millie5.com. You can also follow my food blog, No Fuss Meals of Busy Parents, on Facebook, Instagram, and at www.nofussmealsofbusyparents.com for more top tips, time-saving hacks, and recipe ideas. Thank you so much, James, um, for joining me today. I very much enjoyed learning more about McSween's Haggis, about your business growth, and I know you have inspired lots more people to consider haggis as a dish for all seasons, so please do keep in touch. Thank you very much. You know, Haggis is a bit like Dr. Pepper. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.